The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Father, spring of life, Lord of love, the bountiful, fountiful provision. Come rejoice in His goodness, count each blessing that comes from heaven to earth, now from earth to heaven. Oh, give thanks to God forever, for all He's done. Of his saving love, the bread of life broken for redemption. How he carried the cross to make us daughters and sons, exalted now, the King of our salvation. Oh, give thanks to God forever, for all he's done for all. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. And we do give thanks for the wonderful mercies of our Lord Jesus. We give thanks for what he's done for us, the way he's carried us, the way he has given us the gift of righteousness, how he has 
not just forgiven our past sins. He has removed sin from our hearts. Now, if you're listening to this broadcast, it's not by chance. You were called here by the Holy Spirit because he wants to do something awesome in your heart. He wants to unveil some truth today that will be life-changing. I urge you to take pen and pencil. Take some paper, jot down some notes, and jot down the many scriptures we need to look at today. I'm going to show you something the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that is absolutely stunning. I'm still adjusting to it. Now, I've known this generally, but now I have specific knowledge And I want to share that with you from the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we've come on this broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress to say, Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for what you are doing in our hearts and our lives. I ask you to finish this work and turn our hearts away from ourselves Unto you, Jesus, I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. And what I want to share with you today, if you catch it, will be life-altering. You won't be the same after you've listened. I'd be interested in feedback. Have I made it plain? Do you understand? Is it good news to you? I want to begin today in the book of Colossians. No, I'm sorry. I want to begin today. We start our study in the book of Second Peter. Now, we're going to continue this study next week. It will take us all week. But I want to walk through some passages of Scripture with you. Second Peter, the first chapter and the first verse. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to the ones having obtained a like precious faith with us in the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Now, the NIV says, through righteousness. More literally, it is is in righteousness. Now, the question comes, where is this righteousness from? In the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, righteousness came via the law. And we find in Romans a very interesting statement. I'm going to read it for you. Uh, Romans 1. Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, 
the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, but who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Not the obedience that comes via the law. Romans 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. You cannot be made righteous through the law. There had to be another source of righteousness. And the new covenant teaches us that that new source of righteousness is Jesus himself. And he's called for each of us to be obedient. This is what the book of Romans is about. The book of Romans is not about the Gnostic gospel that is so prevalent in the church today that teaches that you continue walking in your sin. That is a false gospel. It is a gospel that calls us to obedience. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. The word righteousness, you know what it means. It's dikasune in the Greek. It means to be made righteous, not declared righteous. In the old covenant, it was declared righteous. Because you couldn't be made righteous by the law. But now, in the new covenant, the blood of Jesus is not like the blood of bulls and goats. It makes you innocent. It makes you righteous. Pardon me, I'm still recovering from this horrendous cold that I've walked in. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, I want you to clearly understand the gospel is about making you and making me righteous. In America, we seem to think that everything is about me, what I want where I want to go, where what I want to do, my bucket list. It's about me. But the new covenant is not about me. It's about Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news 
because it's about Jesus and what he did for you and me. He broke the power of sin. He destroyed the power of sin over that person who will enter into the righteousness of Jesus by faith. We're going to talk more about that, but let's go back. Second Peter, the first chapter. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he's saying, look, there is grace and there is peace for you if you will enter into the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now this word, knowledge, is very important for our study today. And I'm going to take you now to the book of Colossians. Before I do, let me try to address this issue of knowledge. In the Greek, we have two primary words for knowledge. One, many of you will be familiar with, some say gnosis, but really the pronunciation in the Greek is gnosis. Gnosis is a general knowledge. We get the word gnostic from gnosis. Gnostic. Gnostic belief and gnosis is about the inner knowledge of self. Its focus is inward. Its focus is saying, you can walk in whatever sin you might choose to walk in, but your heart is pure before God. So it's a process now of finding secret knowledge about who I am so that I can be all that I was meant to be. You recognize that the modern church is Gnostic in its belief that you are forgiven for your sins and you are now saved by faith in Jesus Christ, walking as a sinner. That's basic Gnosticism 101. There's another word, however, for knowledge, and that word is epignosin. Epignosin. And epignosin in the Greek means a clear and exact knowledge. It's much more intense than gnosis because it expresses a thorough participation in the object of knowledge on the part of the subject. So gnosis talks about knowledge of oneself. It talks about the secrets of the human heart. Its focus is a generalized focus of self-discovery. And so for the Gnostic, their gospel, so-called, is about self-discovery. But it's not about self-discovery. 
epignosin is about the knowledge of the subject that we're looking at. Now, you must recognize that the subject of the gospel is always Jesus Christ. It's not me. Jesus is the one we praise and honor and worship. And so all of our energy and effort then needs to be focused on knowing Jesus Christ and the particular knowledge of how to participate with him in this wonderful work of salvation that he has offered to us. Now this pygnosis of pygnosis will guard us against air. It will keep us from falling into the Gnostic trap. Now, let me try to describe this a little bit more so that you'll get a better picture. The Gnostic trap for the Christian focuses their time and energy on looking at their belly button. It is self-examination. Now, if I begin to examine myself, my eyes are on me and not on Jesus, I can begin to review my past and be utterly devastated by what I see. I have made so many mistakes in my life. I have sinned so grossly against God. My very ways have been wicked before the holy and righteous God. And I then get lost in all of this trauma of the past. Some of you have been abused in the past. Some of you have been sexually abused in the past, as I was. You can begin to think about all that's occurred in the past. And you become utterly discouraged and hopeless, and you don't know where to turn. Now, in Romans 7, that was the Apostle Paul saying, Who will deliver me from this body of death? It is of no useful purpose to focus our time and energy on seeking the secret understandings of our own heart and our own condition. Rather, our focus needs to be on the full knowledge of God, the full knowledge of Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you many passages of Scripture that will address this issue. But it requires a totally different focus for our heart and our life. And it's a focus we take on Jesus, and we walk by faith. That is, we walk based on what the Word of God says to us. We walk based on what the Holy Spirit speaks to us, his promptings. And when we come to an issue of disobedience, we don't 
spend our time dwelling on the disobedience, we quickly go to Jesus and we confess that disobedience and we move on in Jesus, not in our own ruminations, our own thoughts, our own struggle. So many people that I know, and I, may I confess, have been one of those. When the gospel of Jesus began to unfold for me, the need for repentance. And then the gospel of Jesus began to unfold for me holiness, a pure heart, a pure mind, being totally transformed by Jesus. And then more recently, as the Holy Spirit has uncovered for me the the loggernut, the the place where the Christian church has utterly gone astray in America. And that place I've talked about recently, and that is where I believe that my past sins have been forgiven, and now I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus, and I can go on in my life. I can go on with my career, and I can go on with my dreams and my hopes, my ambitions, and my sins are forgiven. So I'm clean before God. And if I sin, just quickly say, Lord, forgive me. Okay, your past sins are forgiven. You're good to go. That's apostasism. It's not the gospel of Jesus. It's the it's the gospel that opens you for Gnostic beliefs. It will take you to hell. Now, I want to share with you today a whole different perception. And I'm going to go first <clears throat> to Colossians, the first chapter, verse 9. For this reason, we also, from the day in which we heard, do not cease praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge. This is epignosin, not gnosis. This is the knowledge of his will. And I give an illustration of what I'm talking about. My car right now is having some mechanical difficulty. Sometimes I turn on the ignition and it starts, and other times it doesn't start, and I have to play with it, and then finally it will start. Now, what's the problem? Is it the ignition switch? Is it the starter motor? I don't know what the problem is. If you ask me, I can tell you how the starter motor works. I can explain to you the the pistons and the valves, the crankshaft. I know about many things mechanically with a car motor. But don't ask me to fix them. I have a general knowledge. I have a gnosis of the automobile motor. I don't have a pignosis. When you have a pignosis, you're the mechanic. You know exactly what needs to be fixed. 
You know how to replace the starter motor. You know how to replace the ignition switch. You know how to replace the brake cylinder. Or you know how to bleed the valve. You know how to bleed the brakes. You know how to replace the brake pads. Well, the word being used here is that exact knowledge that you have an intimate acquaintance with. You understand it. He says, We are praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the full pignosis of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Well, wisdom in the scripture, in the Greek, is the overarching understanding of the whole program. He's saying, we're praying for you to have the pignosis of his will and that you will have an understanding of the whole beautiful picture of the new covenant. We want you to have spiritual understanding. That is, we want you to be involved intimately with Jesus. And we want you to show Jesus forth in your life. And we do this by faith. To walk, this is verse 10, Colossians 1 verse 10, to walk worthy of the Lord, to please him in every way, in every good work being fruitful and causing increase in the full knowledge of God. So he wants us to walk in a way with Jesus that is intimate and involved where you know how to go in. You know the ways of God. You know how to pray in, in a way to get an answer to your prayers. You know how to overcome your sin. You know how to walk in healing. You have that which is from the Lord. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news. Now, if you look at verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, the one having qualified us for the share of the allotment of the holy ones in the light, who delivered us out from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption by means of his blood, the removal. Now, the NIV is going to say the forgiveness of the sins, but the Greek word there is athemi, which means to remove from. So literally... We have the redemption by means of his blood. We've been brought into Jesus Christ by means of his blood. And we have the removal of all sin from our hearts and our lives. Now, this is not removal by self-examination. This is not removal by works. This is removal by faith in Jesus Christ who transforms us into his likeness and makes us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now, look with me at Romans. Romans, the first chapter. 
And I'm going to flip back and forth. Romans 1. I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 28. Romans 1, verse 28. And as they did not approve to have God in pignosis, in true knowledge, God handed them over to a reprobate mind to do things that ought not to be done, having been filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, coveting, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, evil speakers, God-haters, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, without natural affection, unforgiving and unmerciful, they having fully understood the just requirements of God, that the ones practicing such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but also approve of the ones who so practice them. They have rejected true knowledge, pignosis. They have refused to interact with God. Instead, they have walked in their own knowledge. Now, sooner or later, a man or woman who is self-centered, walking in their own lust, who refuse the full knowledge of God, who want their own way, who believe that they are the center part of the universe. So they look around in every direction. They see everything from the perspective of how does that enter into my life? Does it give me success? Does it give me my ambition? Does it give me sexual pleasure? Does it give me money? Does it give me all these things? No. That's gnosis. Self-centered. Secret knowledge. Strategies for success that the modern church loves to talk about. No. Those men and women will go into the wickedness that I've just read a listing of. Gnosis always leads to self-centered pleasure. Gnosis always leads to self-centered pleasure. The true knowledge of God always leads to a focus on bringing forth Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes into a man's life and he takes that life over, as I shared with you yesterday, that whole life will be focused on the work of the gospel, not on getting ahead in life. The whole focus will be pleasing God. He will be the central part of our heart, not the gnosis of self-centeredness, not the belief that I can be in myself, have my sins forgiven, 
and be good to go, even though I continue walking in my sin. That's gnosis. That's Gnosticism. Pygnosis is an intimate intermingling of myself with Jesus Christ and being transformed into a new creature in Christ so that I love, I cherish, I obey, I walk in righteousness, innocence. And it all comes about by the power of God through his gospel moving in my heart and in my life. Now, look at Romans, the third chapter. I'll begin reading at verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to the ones in the sphere of the law or in the locative location position of law. And Gnosis brings us under that law. Pygnosis takes us out of the sphere of the law and brings us into Jesus Christ so that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be under the judgment by God because no flesh will be made righteous before him by means of the works of the law. For by the law is the full knowledge of sin. Now at the present time, apart from law, righteousness out from God has been made known. This righteousness is not something that is built in me. It's not my obedience to the law. This righteousness is now coming from a different source. It is flowing from God the Father himself through Jesus Christ, via the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, and we are transformed into new creatures. Righteousness out from God has been made known being confirmed by the law and the prophets. Indeed, righteousness is out from God through faith. In other words, Pygnosis calls us to see how God actually does this work of grace in our hearts, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and wickedness. Indeed, righteousness is out from God through faith by means of Jesus Christ to, and upon all the ones believing, for there's no distinction. For all conceivable men sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being made righteous freely by his grace, by means of the redemption in Christ Jesus. It does not say being made righteous by self-examination and self-condemnation and self-punishment. That doesn't make us righteous before God. Do you understand? Now, some of us have suffered a great deal. I have. Under the mistaken notion that I had to carefully search my heart, and examine myself. And yes, there is some self-awareness that is necessary, but it is on a very minor scale compared to the awareness of who Jesus is and the power of the gospel and what he wants to do in us. I tell you, 
I woke up this morning, and I have to tell you the first thing that crossed my mind. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for what you've done for me and in me and with me. I want you, Jesus. It may surprise you when I say this, but right now in my life, I find a lot more people don't like me than do like me. Now, I recognize the reason they don't like me is because my spirit and their spirit are at odds. There is contention. They may not be aware of the contention, but there is contention. There is conflict between the spirit of God who dwells in me and the spirit of gnosis that dwells in them. And so I've been saying, Lord, I'm so grateful that your spirit dwells in me. I'm so grateful that you have removed my sin. I'm so grateful that I don't have to sort through the trash of my life. I thank you that you have just washed and cleansed me, and it's over. It's finished. By faith, I stand. I wait upon you, Jesus. You are the awesome God of heaven and earth. And this morning, I just, I couldn't help it. From the moment I woke up, I began to praise and worship Jesus with all my heart, with shouts of praise before his throne. I'm so grateful to Jesus. He's put such joy in my heart. He's been so kind to me. I shouldn't be alive. My goodness. I'm 76 years old. I haven't been to a doctor in more than 30 years. I don't get sick. I catch a cold, which I haven't had for five or six years. God has healed me. He restores me. I'm not telling you don't go to a doctor. Hear what I'm saying. I warned one non-believer, please, 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 don't get that jab. It's going to make you sick. Well, they went ahead and got the two jabs. And last night, a friend said to me, Pastor, would you go pray for this person? They're so sick. They have double pneumonia. They've been sick for weeks. Well, I know why they're sick. They're sick because they didn't heed the word I spoke from the Holy Spirit to them. So I went. I said, may I, may I pray for you? Yes, please. This is a non-believer. I'm eager to find out what happened. I put my hand on their forehead and I began to plead the blood of Jesus over them and ask Jesus to rebuke the power of darkness, to rebuke the sickness that was filling them. See, by his stripes, we're healed. We're restored. Nothing can touch my life except that which Jesus allows to touch my life. I'm so grateful for this. 
I am so grateful to Jesus. How could I not praise him and worship him? I don't praise and worship him because of my own heart. I praise and worship him because of his heart. (laughs) Because he redeemed me. He bought me. He removed my sin. He made me into a new creature. He's put love in my heart. He's put compassion in my heart. He's put every good thing he's putting in my heart. And I just say, Jesus, thank you. Glory, glory, glory to your name. This comes through pygnosis. Through epignosis. That intricate inner knowing that the focus is on Jesus and not on me. Now, are you discouraged today? Are you depressed today? Are you not doing well today? Are you sad, forlorn? That's because you are walking in gnosis. You need to come out of that. And you need to learn the righteousness of God and how he functions. I want to show several more scriptures to you so that you will see this in detail. Look at, look at uh, Ephesians. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians, the first chapter. I want to begin reading for you at verse 16. I do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in the time of my prayers, so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in full knowledge of him. In other words, Paul is praying that these precious believers in the Ephesus church that the Father in heaven will give them a spirit of wisdom, that they'll understand the overarching new covenant of, of revelation. And I'm praying, now let me do it right now. Lord Jesus, I'm asking right now for a spirit of revelation to go forth in this broadcast to every listener, that every objection being raised against this will be leveled and that you will begin to reveal your glory to every person listening. And Lord, I thank you for those who already have this. Lord, release a a spirit of revelation and knowledge. Pygnosis. Lord, would you release that spirit now in the name of Jesus? I do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in the time of my prayers, so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in full knowledge of him, the eyes of your heart having been enlightened, so that you know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the holy ones. 
and what is the exceeding greatness of his power in respect to us, the believing ones, according to the supernatural working of the might of his attribute of power, which he wrought in Christ, having raised him from among the dead ones and seated him in his right hand in the heavenlies, far above every conceivable rule and authority and power and lordship and every conceivable name being named, not only in this age, but in the coming age. And he put all conceivable things under his feet and gave him to be head over all conceivable things with reference to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one filling all things with reference to every conceivable thing. And you, chapter 2, verse 1, and you being dead in trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all were once formerly dominated by the lust of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and of the mind. And we used to be by nature children of wrath, even as the others. But God, being rich in mercy, by means of his great love with which he loved us, even being dead in sins, he made us alive with Christ. You, having been saved by grace, even raised up together and seated together in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, in order that he might show himself in open exhibition in the coming age with reference to the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by the grace you have been saved by means of faith. And this is not of you. It is the gift of God. Do you understand? You cannot by gnosis, by self-knowledge, you cannot enter into Jesus Christ because everything is still about you. It has to become about Jesus. You have to receive the knowledge of God. You have to receive the knowledge of God, the pignosis of God, how to work intimately with him in prayer and intercession, how to walk in him, how to totally let him remove from your heart the lust of the flesh the pride of life, the love of the world, all of these things he'll remove from you by faith in his blood if you understand how he works. For we are his workmanship. Some of you think you have to be your own workmanship. You can't do it, brother. You can't do it, sister. We are his workmanship. Last night as I was going to sleep, I became tense. I began to look at the finances for the radio. I began to look at my personal finances. I began to look at at my relationships with people who are very upset with me. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit said, What did I say to you? I said, Lord, 
you should wait upon the Lord. And immediately I relaxed. I said, Lord, I will wait upon you. I trust you. And Jesus said to me, enter my rest, Ray. Don't be concerned about anything. Don't be concerned about money for radio. Don't be concerned about your personal finances. Don't be concerned about the trauma that's going on in the world. I'm not of this world anymore. I'm of Jesus, and I'm on my way to heaven. And I want to take as many of you with me as I can. I want to I want to sit around the throne of God with you and sing songs of praise and worship to Jesus. I want to recount his wondrous mercy and grace. For we are his workmanship. Having been changed completely in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand in order that we might walk in them. So it's not about what I want. It's about what Jesus wants. It's not about my bringing the gospel. It's about Jesus speaking the gospel through his servants. Please, I want you to get this. The gospel of Jesus is not centered in you. The gospel of Jesus is centered in bringing forth Jesus Christ. He's everything to us. He's everything. I am nothing. So every moment I spend in fear, in putting down myself, in judging myself, in feeling bad, all of that is unbelief in the work that Jesus Christ did at the cross. Jesus is the one who carries us. You get this. Look at Ephesians, and we're running out of time, but we'll carry this on next week. Chapter 4, verse 11. Chapter 4, verse 11. In fact, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, perfecting the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all may come to unity in the faith and a clear knowledge, epignosis, a clear knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of the statue of the fullness of of Christ, that we may no longer be infants being tossed here and there by waves and being carried here and there by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men with craftiness toward a scheme of deception, rather speaking the truth in love, that we may grow in him with reference to all things. Oh, my brother, my sister, we're going to go back and study carefully next week, Second Peter. I urge you to read the whole book several times. I read it every day. We're going to talk about it. We're out of time for today, but 
I just want to quickly say we're about $1,700 short for this month for radio, and we have about a week left. I invite you to send a Thanksgiving offering that I can continue this study in Second Peter. I trust him. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to our webpage. You can give online. Thank you for the many of you who've been doing that. You encourage my heart. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'm going to have Thanksgiving tomorrow with Jesus. It's going to be my seat and his seat. And I'm going to rejoice in a time of thanksgiving and praise and worship. And then in the afternoon, I'll go to some families and have some time with others in fellowship But I love Thanksgiving. It's the time when my heart is lifted up to Jesus in praise and adoration. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I hope today's been helpful to you. Leave me a message. Let me know what you think. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Of his glory.